You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. And uh, it's pretty quiet. I don't think we have anything really to talk about. It's kind of interesting. Um, I do want to say wait, thank wait, you, Jordan, Moa There's Peach a dumpster for... fire. Yeah, there's there, a though. dumpster fire outside. <laughs> I do want to say thank you, Moa Peach, for being a member for 10 months. That's really awesome of you. Um, I am tired and achy as I got a COVID booster yesterday. And these things kick my butt every time I've gotten one. I do not feel good for like three days afterwards. So... So if I'm a little out of it, that is why. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive in and talk about some controversy, uh, I, which I am deeming the OG hell. I, I'm surprised nobody else has done this. Uh, and yeah, so I'll, we'll, elephant in the room. We'll talk about uh, Wizards of the Coast has not said or released anything. But a leak of the OGL, supposedly, 1.1 came out, and it has specific wording in it that invalidates the previous OGL. And that is what our our community is upset about, because that would mean that Pathfinder and, and uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics and all of these retro clones have to, if they want to keep selling their product, would have to sign the 1.1, because they can't publish under the original OGL. Uh, and MCDM, a lot of those people too. So uh, not a lot of companies have made statements, but a lot of people have made statements. Uh, and somebody in our chat who was just saying that, I'm surprised Jordan didn't make a video. Um, yesterday I was talking that I'm like, if I hear a YouTuber say one more time, I didn't want to make this video, but I'm going to because I'm going to cash it on this. I was like, I'm going to pull my hair out. So mm. I I do want to make a video on the open game license because I have thoughts and opinions on it, but I don't want to uh, jump on this bandwagon, I guess. That's kind of my thoughts. Jordan, uh, I, I yeah. like and love you even more when you said that because that was the <laughs> one thing that stood out to me is the avalanche of the bandwagon jumpers of, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is doing bad. Let me jump out on Twitter and say, hey, here's how you can play Paizo's games or here's how you can do that. You know, they were the same ones that have been doing it all along like this idea of there's just this group of haters out there for Dungeons and Dragons that love when Wizards of the Coast stumbles or something happens, they just jump right on it. Like, yeah, we should leave this evil company and never play their game again. We should play DCC, you know, <laughs> that kind of group. Well, and I'm all um, for playing other games and it's yeah. interesting the backlash on this because I, I had somebody just contact me on uh, Instagram and was like, Hey, I love your podcast. Uh, what non D and D games do you recommend? Because I want to like switch over. So this has been real yeah. bad for Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah. I was like, subscribe to the J3 channel because that's the one that I do mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff. Because I do love a lot of different role playing games. Um, yeah. And I and I, I disagree. Think you should embrace. I disagree oh. with Hasbro a lot and the the, sure. the mentality, and that's fine too. Um, but I I guess I'm saving. I I want to talk about it when we know stuff. And I even yeah. saw somebody say, you know, all of this, like, tearing apart the legal mumbo-jumbo of a contract we don't have is not good for, like, the community. But it's also not good uh, going forward because then lawyers are going to be like, I don't know, like, I don't know exactly Prejudice. why, I should say. Prejudice. But, like, we're overanalyzing yeah. certain things when we are not qualified to in a legal sense. Yeah, uh, It was the weird. There was... Is... Go ahead. It's the argument of if you believe that this is tearing the community apart and you're jumping on something you don't even know yet, you haven't actually seen, and it's only really rumored, and you're kind of ginning up all of this controversy, you are also part of the group that is tearing this apart. If you want to put Hasbro in that same boat, I think you're in that same boat. You are, and you're doing it because you're getting YouTube views. And you're doing it because you're getting Twitter likes. Not, you know, if you're passionate about it or you're a creator and you're speaking your mind because you've created something, that's that's completely valid to me. If you're everybody else that's just jumping on and saying, hey, this is going to get views for my YouTube channel or this is going to, you know, get more people to, to say, yay, look at me, you know, you're fighting the man. You're just stirring up the controversy as much as you're complaining about the company that you say is destroying the community. So to me, you're, you're the same. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, I I don't know. I just I just don't like jumping on bandwagons like that. But yeah, especially um, when we don't even see it yet. Let it come well, out. Well, and that's and the then... thing is like I I've seen the same snippets that everybody else has that were screenshotted sure. on the Gizmodo article. Um, but you're right. I haven't I haven't read the whole thing. Not a lot of people have. Um, and I may it was supposed to come out last mm-hmm. week, but I think the backlash of this Wizards was like, we're just going to let the fire die down and then we'll make a statement or reevaluate what we're going to do. Uh, sure. I, I just want to point out some weird, not weird, but interesting things. Um, Critical Role hasn't made a statement. And on their Reddit and their Twitch, they have forbidden... Uh, you can get banned for trying to bring up a conversation about the OGL. So they're just like, we don't want to talk yeah. about it until we know more things. I would argue that they probably know a lot more, but it's not public yeah. information yet because they are they have worked with Wizards a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The official Wizards of the Coast Discord is, uh, or the D&D Discord, which merged with uh, D&D Beyond. I didn't realize this until recently, but the two of them merged into one Discord. Makes sense. Um, they're also banning people from talking about the OGL. And uh, there was another place that it was just like, can we not talk about it? Uh, but in their defense, I we, it's all rumors in the, at this point. And the fact that these are coming out, I think people will come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think wizards will have to come back and say, this is what's true. This is what's not true. And then we can have a discussion moving forward. So, yeah. uh, unfortunately, like yes. It is Moa. It is a wait and see kind of a thing. Um, and I had a lot of people say like, "Oh, is your YouTube channel in danger? Are you this?" I was like, "I've never used the OGL for any of my YouTube stuff. It's for me. It's always been like for publishing, and I've never even used it for publishing." Um, but, uh, but it's not in danger from the OGL. But it could be in danger of everybody deciding Dungeons and Dragons is evil and nobody should be doing it, and then that's it. That's the last. Well, I don't think it's evil, but Dungeons like, and Dragons yeah. stuff. But I, you know, I'm just Dungeons and Dragons. It'll never go away. Yeah. The fact that yeah, it survived so. Fourth Edition, it'll never go away. Um, because yeah. it's awesome. Like it's Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, well, it barely yeah. survived Fourth Edition. Pathfinder had a chance to take it. Well, <laughs> right and point. Pathfinder, they did sell more during Fourth Edition than uh, Fourth Edition. But yeah. uh, I, I think the name Dungeons and Dragons is pretty is Kleenex. strong. And unfortunately, I think that's what Wizards slash Hasbro was uh, betting on, is that people are diehard D&D fans and not necessarily role-playing fans. But yeah. it's kind of the idea... Uh, ben Milton put it really well in, uh, in... I think he said this a while ago, before this even happened, um, that... The OGL was basically like, here's the source code for RPGs, for like fantasy RPGs. And using that source code, we have been able to elaborate and make a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's kind of like Linux as an operating system. Linux is free, but I can also take it and build it and make it my own. And then I can sell that as a product and things like that. And it's when you think about it like that, it's like, okay. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think uh, they're not viewing it like that they're viewing at we're creating competition and so they want to kind of like stop it and stuff but uh i think the existence of the ogl and this is my hot take and it's not really a hot take is that 5e is so popular because of that because of the matt colvilles who could have million dollar kickstarters that were in the news because of critical role and talderay and all this other stuff like those became although small financially compared to the 900 and some million dollars that wizards makes off of D and D it blows up the brand really big, you know, like million dollar Kickstarters get in the news and it's like, Oh, what's this? Oh, I better check out this D and D thing. And so I think the existence of it has helped fifth edition immensely and for new management to come in and kind of say, Oh no, we don't want you to do that anymore. It's like, well, we we helped build your castle. You can't just <laughs> like kick us out now. But yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think it's it, yeah, it's interesting, really. I think that um, there's so many ways to look at it and so many different views. And I think of it like you just said, like when you think of it as an OpenGL as the name, which implies more of like open source software or open right. source things that 
me, you know, me and you have been a part of some of that stuff, just even in the work we've done. So it's very common for us. Mm -hmm. And I know you like Linux and those kinds of things, but Disney doesn't look at their product as being open Disney, right? You don't just get to do Disney stuff and make money off it because you're like, Hey, Mickey Mouse is awesome. And I'm going to throw that on my thing and make a lot of money. Disney's going to come down on you like, you know, a ton of bricks. And I think that's what Hasbro looks at it as a brand. They don't yes. look at it as we're the builders of, you know, the first internet protocol out there. We're the, you know, we're giving you a way to run windows. That's a uh, not Microsoft in some way, you know, it's a free open sourced windows. Yeah. Or so I, I, I don't like that's the a idea. Very different view. Yeah. I don't like the idea of necessarily playing devil's advocate, uh, but I wanted to put it into perspective with something that I understand a little bit better rather than uh, mm -hmm. like the diversification of role-playing games. And so uh, in, a, in a video that I have not recorded or released, but I have written and rewritten several times. Uh, and if you are subscribed to my Patreon, I actually put the whole text up there just because I was like, this is kind of my thoughts. But I equated it to the wizarding world of Harry Potter I don't know if I told you this or somebody else, or maybe I talked about I it last week. I think it was last, last week. week. Okay, yeah. Because, like, if you just said, I want to make Harry Potter, I want to make Harry Potter, like, or the Wizarding World, I should say, very, very popular. There you go. You know, and it's like, I'm going to say anybody can make a Wizarding World movie. Um, Non-canonical things, but here's, well, like, a list of Latin yeah. spells that you can use. So we're all mm -hmm. kind of playing with the same tools, uh, and the idea is, is that if all these people can make these little videos or little movies or little TV shows that, you know, my Wizarding World brand is going to go up and up and up and up. Um, but the problem is, is when those the Wizarding World brand owners will say like, yeah, uh, WB, Warner Brothers, they look out and they're just like, wow, this guy's actually making better products than I. Like, I don't know if I like that. And, like, they're making a lot of money over the tools we gave them. So I think that's how Hasbro's looking at it. And Hasbro is very um, money-centric. They have shareholders. They have things like that. I also don't like corporations. So I completely sympathize with the small guy. Like, I think that the small person should be able to do his one to $200,000 Kickstarter a year to support his small business. Uh, and not have to funnel a whole bunch of money to wizards or ask for permission or things like that. Uh, but it's all it's all control, and I'm sure they were looking at it and they're like, "Well, we can increase profits like this because that's all corporate major public corporations look at. How do I shrink costs and get profits higher? And that's that's the money world that they look at. And I I disagree with a lot of that because I think you should say how do not how I shrink profits, but how do I make a better product to then sell more of that product? Um, because there's a there's a point where quality is important, I think. <laughs> and I don't necessarily feel that Dungeons and Dragons is like lacking quality or that one D and D will lack quality, but I think the higher ups are always like, how do we maximize profits? And one of those ways is to stomp competition. And the other way is to uh, license out stuff. So the idea that if you want to make stuff for D and D, then we want a cut of your money. So, mm -hmm. I think another good analogy is the Unreal Engine. Like you can download the Unreal Engine right now. You can build a game on it. You can publish that game. Yeah. The minute it makes a certain monetary threshold, you do have to start paying them. Yeah. You have to purchase the license for the engine that you built your game on. So there is this, but you can yes, build you can it be for creative. Free, basically you can build your cool. passion project if you want, but if you make a million dollars, now we have to talk about you yeah. made a billion dollars. <laughs> that's what it seems like to me too. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just this idea of that's what, that's what these corporations do. And there's people that their job is to make sure they're maximizing the money for their shareholders. Right. And if yeah. you're a shareholder, that's what you've hired them to do. And that's what you purchase, you know, you tell them to do. And that doesn't necessarily align. I, I always think it's too, it's not mutually exclusive though, too. Cause I think you have those people that are creative and you're saying, Hey, make a better product. And you have that group you've hired to do that. Mm -hmm. You just also happen to have this group that says maximize product. You also have this group that's your lawyers for when people come to sue you. And then you have this group that's like, you know, your advertisers that want to make your product seem better than everybody else's. And then how, you know, and maybe even denigrate other people's products if that's the way you're going to go. Like mm -hmm. you said, you know, uh, monopolize the, the, 
the space that you're in and, and try to push out the competition type thing. They, they hire people to do that. So corporations have like just this, it's like an, it's a Hydra head, right? It's good and bad mm. and all, all mixed together. And it's when they try to run for profit, it sucks. Cause nobody builds the company. Just say, well, let's just build the community. It's not nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't Wizards of the Coast's nonprofit says we're going to make role playing games great on the table and we're going to do it through this nonprofit corporation. But maybe if they did, maybe if there was something out there like that, or if a nonprofit corporation had the biggest selling tabletop game out there, I wonder what that would look like. You know, what that fantasy world would be like, because that would be one in which people could just create stuff and there would be open rule sets and, and yeah. you could do your Kickstarters and your build your books and whatever it might be. I saw Mike Colville did say something. He said, we talked to our lawyers. They believe it doesn't affect any of the books that we've already produced. So we're just moving along and we're just going to keep creating cool stuff. Yeah. So they believe it doesn't affect flea mortals. So that's yeah. what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, I thought know. he said his previous books too. Like he, they're not going to have to go back and. It might've, it was an MCDM post, not necessarily Matt Colville. Yeah. It was like from whatever, but yeah. Uh, so I don't know, but I guess we're going to find out. We're going to see if you can, if you can copyright trademark game mechanics, which traditionally you, you shouldn't be able to, uh, as in past law, like, yes, your Dritz and your Elminsters and your Forgotten Realms, that's all trademarked and that's your intellectual property and stuff. But the OGL never utilized all of that. So, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's back and forth. So, because I think if you can create under the old license, this will be fine and we'll weather ourselves out and there will be D&D content and there will be non-D&D content. Uh, but I, it's the idea that they want to squash the OGL and, or change it going forward. Um, but we'll see. Because I'm under the opinion that when you give away something for free like that, it's going to be real hard for you to take it back and say, now you have to pay for it. And they're like, but it was free for 23 years. I don't know about that. So, yeah, that's always a tough sell. I mean, it's just that's <laughs> hard for people. Uh, and I, even from last week, one last thing I'll say is that I still think people should have moved off this long ago. People should have been creating their own stuff. People should have been exploring their own game systems and not relying on the DD brand, not tying their hitching their horse to it. As you know, as, as I think even Ben has mentioned that quite often too when he talked about stuff, just be creative and and there's all kinds of game systems out there. There's all kinds of D six systems, D 20 systems, create a D percentage system, mm-hmm. create a stat plus something system. There's so many things out there you can be doing and expanding the community that way and expanding the, the hobby in those directions, instead yeah. of putting all this energy into also just keep creating D and D stuff. You know, I think we should have more and more stuff that's non D and and, D&D can do its thing, you know, Wizards of the Coast and a few of the people that want to, you know, stick with that can do that. And we're all, we all are happier. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like I said, I had people reach out and they're just like, there are there any like third party games that you recommend? And I'm like, Cypher. so many like and uh, like He's... Forbidden Lands is a game that I love that's fantasy based. So it's not, you know, it, it has that D&D feel. You can be a druid or a fighter or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, it's super fun. And it's like a D six system with other dice kind of included to augment yeah. your role. Warhammer so. fantasy role play. Warhammer. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, they like, and it was funny cause on the, the message I got, they were like, well, kids on bikes. I was like, well, that's a fun game, but not necessarily the fantasy replacement you're looking for. But I was like, 13th age is really good. Uh, DCC, mm-hmm. a lot of these others, uh, you know, I'm. It's funny how, Cypher. yeah, I do understand, like, yeah, Cypher system. But, yeah, the way you were mm-hmm. saying, like, there was a there was a big push in the Pathfinder world. And I think they're scared, the fans are scared that Wizards could pull Pathfinder o- technically away from them because uh, Paizo operates under the OGL. Um, but there was a lot of, like, just play Pathfinder. And I saw so many people that were like, I don't want to play that. Like... And I, I, I made the argument in a Discord that I was talking to people. I'm like, if if rules and mechanics and the way things are written don't matter, we would all play Fate, but nobody plays Fate. <laughs> I want to point that out. Like, because mechanically, mechanics it's an amazing game kind of a thing. But, like, every time I've played Fate, I've always been like, well, that was kind of 
boring. I don't know. And so there's there's something to be said about a system. It's not just like, it's kind of the same way of like, oh, you like movies? Watch any other movie. It's like, well, but I like this movie. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we yeah, can move on. Like there, There's actually some other interesting news that are happening with Hasbro right now. Um, a journalist submitted an article today on Bloomberg. And I think I put the link in the description, but on my phone, I can read it. But on a web browser, it comes up with a paywall that wants me to like register. Um, but this uh, reporter said that he heard from a Wizards of the Coast rep, like an official statement-ish, official in the sense that it's not public, but it was from this guy, that they are canceling a D&D game, video game, that they're making with Hidden Path Entertainment. But Hidden Path Entertainment tweeted that they're like, we are still making this game with Hasbro. And in fact, we're hiring. Everything's good to go. And then the guy retweeted and was just like, no, it's not. That's really weird. I would like to get an official statement. So it's kind of this back and forth. Um, but the end of his article said something like uh, that they're canceling two early or two pre-production games and then another existing game that they've been working on for a while. Uh, to cut costs and make profits look better. I'm not really sure. Apparently their Hasbro stock has not been doing very well, uh, despite Dungeons and Dragons. Toy sales are down for some reason, and the supply chain was causing that. So uh, so I don't know. I didn't know about this game. I didn't know Hidden Path was working on it. Nobody really knows what it is. But yeah. the They've had projects that were barely announced or not yeah. really much info on that we knew were out there, but we didn't really know what was going on. So to me, those are the type of things that, I don't know, I don't even know the name of it, what it would have been or what we yeah. might've gotten or what we didn't get or what um, we are still getting. Some of those, we don't even know which ones are still coming out. Baldur's Gate is probably about the only one that we know is still, yeah, you know, moving full steam ahead that I know of game wise. I feel like, uh, I thought there was another company that, um, well, they bought no, a it's company. It's all like vague. Yeah, they bought a company to like make stuff, but yeah. nobody knew if it was for Magic the Gathering or D and D. Um, Baldur's Gate three is the big one that's coming out, and then uh, I'm trying to think of the the melee fighter that you could be Dritz and Catabri. What was that game? Yeah, called? that game. That was I was just trying to think of that. Same yeah, thing. Uh, <laughs> it super underperformed. They were expecting that to be like a blockbuster big hit, and it yeah. was just like not fun and not super well received. So I think I was thinking it was that for... company that made it was making another game. That's what I thought. Oh, they but might maybe... be. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. Crazy. Anyway, I did see something um, that was pretty funny D and D related on Twitter that I thought was cool. There's a stand-up display somewhere. I don't know if it'll be at movie Dark theaters Alliance. when you go to see the movie or not, but it has the characters, uh, Dark Alliance has yeah. the characters of the movie standing in, you know, full, size with a gelatinous cube in the center and then you can go behind the display and get inside the gelatinous cube and have your picture taken i thought that was pretty funny yeah i think if i go to the movies and they have one of those that's something i want to get no <laughs> i i gelatinous cube would be awesome. i saw that and i thought it was hilarious and obviously that's that's really fun but i i was like what i want to do is cross all of the fandoms i was like you should show up in a spider-man costume and be in front of the dungeons and dragons and be like how did i get here or like yeah. you should be yeah. like in your Frodo outfit and standing there like what's happening? I I thought that's where my brain goes and I was like that's really funny. But obviously that'll be a lot of fun because you can take yeah. your picture next to Chris Pine and you'll be good to go. <laughs> and that cool. movie comes out March <laughs> April, so that's coming out pretty soon. Uh, we're in the 2023s, so that's I'm crazy. getting excited. Um, Dungeon Twenty Three. Are you still working on it? How are you doing a week later? <laughs> Jordan, let me tell you about a tower. Okay. That appeared one day. Nobody knew why. And people went in it. And they came out with cool, powerful items. And then more people went in it because they saw those people had cool, powerful items. And then a whole town built up around this tower. And it goes up into the sky, probably somewhere around 12 levels or more. Yeah, and level levels. one. Yeah. <laughs> so I started, what I did with mine is I started with the uh, room number one, January one. 
it's funny to me as I go through this, I, I, I'm curious to see how your process was. I felt like day one, I almost had to have my whole concept in my mind and yeah. how I'm going to do 12 levels because I didn't just want it to be randomness, right? Just it had to have a theme and all this other stuff. So all of a sudden, day one, you have it. It was like a heavy lift of creativity. So I started, instead of starting on the entrances to my level one, uh -huh. I started at the central staircase that you get to this room. It's round, has a staircase in the center, and it goes up to level two. And that is room number one. And there's four archways that come into this room. Mm -hmm. From those four archways are the other four rooms I've built so far, which are the mini boss rooms for each of the four areas. Okay. The first level is the level of elements that each of the areas pied off into these different rooms and ways you can go through it. And you can pick when you come into the entrance of this tower that you want to go through either the fire area, the earth, the water, or the air area. And things are themed in that way until you get to the mini boss. And if you beat the mini boss, you get to the staircase that lets you go to the level two. Oh, okay. What I also devised is that the tower is actually a conduit for magical energy. And the reason it exists is it's a challenge to get you to use your magic abilities. And then it siphons that power into the tower and uses it and sends it somewhere. No spoilers yet on who or what is using yeah. that power to do something. So they built this tower to, to encourage adventurers to come in. And what they wanted the adventurers to do is to throw as many spells as they could. So that the intent of the levels is to get you to use your fireball as many times as possible because it's going to absorb that energy into the tower. It uses some of that energy to create the creatures you're fighting and, and mm -hmm. to maintain the tower is, itself and to create a few of the magic items that helps feed the greed monster of the adventures that are yeah. coming. But then the second brilliant thing they did is when you defeat these creatures throughout this tower and you're moving through it, they also... So we'll drop, um, they've taken the magical energy and turned it into elemental energy. So if you're in the fire area and you beat something in the fire area that's general that, you can pick up some elements that you can then take back to the town and the crafters there will buy that element and build magical items and armor and, and that's weapons. That's like fire themed or something. Okay. That, that has some type of fire theme or fire resistance or fire attack or fire based in some way. So you can trade those in and get stuff built for yourself. You can just trade it in and sell it so you have more money to buy other equipment you need and you can go back into the tower. And That's then really cool. In the center, when you beat the mini boss, you, uh, one of the things you can buy to go into this tower is a medallion. And a medallion allows you... Oh, and here's the other thing. The doors open in the morning and at midnight, everybody is teleported out of the tower. So you oh, have there's a, time a day limit. to get through the tower. But you can buy a medallion that if you beat a mini boss, you can skip the level and go to the next level with your medallion. Yeah. So you can touch a thing and it goes, oh, now we're on level two if we want to. So you can farm a level if you want, or you can use your medallion after you beat the mini boss to go to a shortcut. Way. Yeah, yeah. Straight to level three or something. Higher and higher yeah. and higher into the tower. And it's all about forcing you or getting you to spend as much of your magical ability power as possible to siphon it from you. it feels like an arcane uh tomb of horrors where like yeah, the idea was... was like let's kill a bunch of adventurers so that the phyl phylactery of a serac gets more souls but this is like just have Very them expend similar. magic so that we can siphon it off that's cool yeah uh yeah, yeah well, everyone in chat is like around it people in chat are just like that's a plus bud that's awesome <laughs> so, <laughs> nice <laughs> they're like that's really cool um, I, I like oh. it. Mine's going well. Uh, but I agree with you. I think it was in December that I kind of was thinking about the overarching design and stuff. Um, and I did want to have, you know, 12 levels deep. Um, but the idea is that after the sixth level, they're going to gravity's going to flip. And then all of a sudden they're climbing yeah. up. Um, because cool. I want it to, I want this to be a weird, um, challenge kind of gate that leads you to another world. So it's not easy, but this is maybe how you get to uh, Eberron, you know? Like, if, you, if I find this dungeon somewhere, I can crawl through it, and then I can get to a really uh, interesting place. So, mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of been the overall theme, and then I've been going through some prompts. So my, my prompt for week one was ancient, and I decided that it was going to be 
ancient dwarves that um, got corrupted by some kind of like uh, a frog demon. Digging too deep. And kind of a thing. And so there's lots of like frog themed things that a lot of aquatic stuff. And then that's going to filter into uh, week two, which I forget the prompt, but uh, I've been working on it a little bit here and there. So um, I, I was saying that there was, or I was watching Sly Flourish and he's like, I'm doing this as well. He's like, but I'm giving myself permission to fail and I'm giving myself permission to suck. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, I'm going to give myself permission to fail and permission to suck. And so it's like, if you miss a day and you have to do like three rooms in a day or something, you didn't fail. Like you're fine. Just the, the whole idea yeah. is just to be creative. And the fact that you're all excited about this tower and you're coming up with cool stuff, is like, that's the, that's the reason to do this. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah. So. Well, and, I kind of did the same thing to my, because when I say I've created this, what I have is a written visualization in words, but I haven't drawn anything out yet. Right. I think I want to eventually go back and do that. And mm -hmm. I, I haven't necessarily built every stat block yet, but I do have yeah. my, my mop, my mini bosses. Let me give you one here. Okay. So the fire uh, mini boss is a serpent. That's probably, you know, it's going to be the size of, you know, a small bus or something. And it moves around and in the area that you're fighting, as it moves, it leaves a trail of burning fire like Tron. So it's zooming, it's gonna zoom across the room mm. and try to fight, and it's but it's gonna leave behind this line just like this the old snake game or the old yeah. Tron game where if you get in it, you're gonna so slowly your your space to fight this thing gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So you're you're gonna have to uh have strategies to deal with you're losing ground or what do we do when we have to jump across that fire, yeah, how yeah. much damage we're going to take that kind of thing and then the other thing it does is that the closer you get to it if you hit it with a melee weapon just like some of the creatures in dungeons and dragons you take fire damage from the melee people so this is not a great melee boss so this is like the fire serpent and it's going to drop really cool fire stuff so then i did put a frog in mine too just because you were yeah. mentioning frogs my water world has a frog and basically it's the water pistol right so it has when you get into the room, it shrouds it in mist to lower um, visibility, but it still has a way to detect you through just the mist in the air itself because it's created it. So it knows where things are in that mist. And then it shoots almost like a laser cutter of water pistol at people to try to hit them. So very solid, strong, yeah. single target damage, but it doesn't do aoe damage so this is a boss that's all about single target so you have to your strategy has to come around how are we going to deal with big heavy damage to one target at a time coming from an area we might not be able to see and how are we going to deal with that and it has little tunnels that can move underneath and swimming pop up into somewhere else and then hit you from a pistol from another spot nice and then the the air is a hawk kind of like a hawk for the air one and it's there are pits all around the room and it uses a wing attack to just push you off into pits. So it ah. continues maneuvers and tries to push you into all these pits to take damage at all times while you're trying to fight this boss. And there'll be a few other things in there. And then the uh, the earth one is about the whole room you walk into, and it's all boulders that are house size, car size, bowling ball size. And they're just strewn all over. It's like this big boulder field like you're on Mars or something or whatever. Yeah. And this big elemental-like creature just comes up and decides its type of attack is by what boulder it picks up and throws at you. So the bowling ball size ones has, you know, a certain stat line to it. And then the big ones have a big AOE stat line to it. Or it might be a rolling one, or it might be a, you know, a thrown one, or it might be one that shatters and then does a cone kind of thing when it shatters and does stuff. So it kind of, that'll have like three or four different attacks based on it. You'll see the attack by what boulder it's picking up and it's about to throw. So your team can then kind of decide what's our strategy as we see it pick up the big boulder we know what that one does it's a roller and it's going to roll it and crush everybody in a line so everybody spread out you know or this one's a, a, a one that bursts and sprays into pebbles that just you know are sharp and, and does damage but it's a cone so if we know where the cone is then we can try to maneuver around so a little bit of game mechanics in it a little bit of you know uh, anime inspired a little yeah, bit yeah. of old school like you said um the you know just the old temples and stuff and then and a serac kind of you know fun in it and i was just like so such a good idea it was so fun to have their creativity to do that but to go back to the original point 
I couldn't do it all in just those days. It was Correct. like, I, I was going to spend an hour and I was two hours into one of the days. I'm like, okay, this wasn't going to be a project where I'm going to spend five hours until I'm done for this. I'm going to spend an hour or so a day building this thing. And if I have to come back and fill it out, give it a name, you know, in maybe draw the room out at some point, maybe finish out the stat. I'm going to do that. But each day I'm going to put the main concept of the room. And then what I did is I numbered them. So the center stairwell is room number um, one, January one, but it happens to be room 31 for the number of days. And then I went oh, you know, okay. to 30 and I did 28, 29, you know, I was like, so I'm, I'm sort of hand, not even, uh, what would it be called? It was a, there's a term for it, like a flow charting it versus oh, okay. not actually drawing it out just so I have, cause I was trying to think of how many rooms should be in one space and how many, so all of a sudden you have to think about that and what's the material and what all this stuff. So there's a lot to it. So, but I'm enjoying it. I've been having fun. That's um, really cool. I've got to do today's haven't done today's yet, but I've got a good plan for this level. And then each of my levels will be a theme of some sort. So this one was an elemental level. It'll have a name. And I, I and then the next one will be something I might do like light and dark and shadow and something else. And it'll be some other base thing. And people could, in my mind, in the legends of this world, they could maybe specialize in certain levels and they make money off of we're really good at this level so we go in there and we farm that level and that's how we make yeah. our money and that's how these guilds you know go we're the level the three guild or something or yeah, yeah. and we're that's the good. yeah we're the shadow level guild because we all the people we hire to go in have this special ability that helps us in the shadow level and we can come out with all this really cool stuff and sell it and that's how we're making our money you know very kind of capitalistic in their ways but then there's the other people that are like who can go the highest, right? So then there's that group of people. And then there's, you know, whatever other adventures. And then there's just the, the normal adventures. And we had nothing. And there's this chance if I go into this tower that I can um, come out. So the thing I haven't figured out yet, and I was going to maybe talk, sometimes you need somebody to talk with or even the community yeah. is like, what about when players die or how gamey do you make it? And I was thinking about even the resurrection part of it could be gamified where your people that somebody who's fallen you can take their medallion and if you go back to the start you could touch the medallion on like a, a sarcophagus kind of thing and then your person could come back and i was thinking why would they want to, you know why would you want to provide that and i was thinking but again that's that magic energy right the resurrection spell has been cast and what you want to happen in the tower is as many spells cast as possible you don't want them to go back to town if I'm the tower owner and yeah, I'm yeah. trying to steal all this energy, I don't want them to go to town and then get rezzed at the cleric. I want them rezzed in my tower so I can siphon that energy. And then I started thinking, here's one more step. Tell me if you're like this, what if they're also siphoning the divine power and they're pulling power from the divinity. So it really wants to attract clerics and warlocks and all these mm -hmm. people that have these, because it's siphoning energy from outside of our plane and taking it and that's even better than just the ambient you know stuff and so i thought there's a cool possible storyline of the person who's built this tower and why they've done it and the ways they're using this to get whatever they want their the energy that they're trying to get so. yeah no i like the idea that if you die maybe instead of getting teleported out at midnight your body gets teleported to the base level and then yeah. you could even say, like, there's a whole bunch of, like, clerics and stuff that'll come in and raise you for a price, you know, because you need diamonds to do resurrection and stuff. But um, yeah. but then that energy is is being capitalized. I also like the idea that maybe your magic dwindles as you go up. That could kind of, kind of interesting, too. Like, it's like it, you can cast it's really powerful you spells. before you cast it. Well, yeah, like you can you can cast really powerful spells at the base level, but the higher you get up, the more it's like funneled mm -hmm. up or I don't know. But no, I think that's really fun. And uh, it's funny because you you were talking about it and some people in chat were just like, well, what's the level of your of your thing and and stat blocks for monsters? I'm not even doing that. I'm I'm literally I guess I am being a little lazy, but I'll be like, oh, here's kind of a cool idea. And I'm I'm like, we're going to have like three zombies in here and I, I'm not static anything. I'm just like three zombies. There you go. I'll mm -hmm. figure it out later. If I want to actually run this, then I'll use a system and I'll be like, oh, these are the type of zombies I want. I'm sure I'm going to have uh, like mini bosses and stuff and actually probably want to stat those out like much like what you're doing. But all I could think of yeah. though, is that your, your, your base floor was in harmony until the fire room attacked. And then that's when all of the, 
the airbenders were lost anyway that's right the fire nation yeah exactly well i think there's could be so many kind of like politics going on behind it right there could oh, be yeah. the group who are trying to not let things happen or monopolize materials that are coming out of there or there could be a group you could hire an adventuring group that could get you through the mini boss because you you and your group can't beat it but they can get you through it so you can get to the next level and you can do this other stuff and to me <clears throat> the main rooms would be like levels one to three ish but the mini boss would be like the a fifth level kind of you know a, a cr5 ish kind of thing right but then you go to the next level and then it would be you know another range another range another range definitely getting harder and harder as you go the bosses are harder than the other things you meet in the area so you can decide to only farm the creatures or you can be a boss farmer it really comes into there's a lot of these japanese animation kind of you know where they're talking about playing mmorpgs or they're in virtual mmorpgs or they're somebody who's been thrown into this world you know uh, inseke i think is what the name of it is um where this kind of stuff happens like you have groups that form that are the farmers of low level stuff but they can make money in it there's the group who farm bosses because they want the materials that makes their guild better if they have those materials better weapons and things and then there's the we have to be the number one who's the number one climber and i also thought there could even be like a, a board on the outside who lists the name of the per of the adventurer or adventuring party name that's gone the highest right so there's right. all so another way to encourage those groups because even in the Acerac thing it was always about how do we encourage adventurers to come to our deadly tomb so we have to put rumors out there about the cool weapons and magic items and things you can get out of it because we want their greed to pull them in and not let them go it's like a casino right it's like a if make them walk through the 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 slot machines before they get to the right you know the spot we're gonna siphon out every little penny we can of them so i just thought there's all kinds of cool storylines there um, that you could introduce if you had something like this and you could just run run wild with in your world. Yeah. You could put it in any of your worlds. You could probably put it in any system, really. I'm going to do it for 5e at this point and just, you know, because it's easy for me to build stat blocks and stuff for that. But it'd be easy for to have this for a Numenera or, a, a you know, a Cypher system version or a DCC version or, you know, whatever. I think the one one thing I want you to do is that they're – there hasn't been anybody reached the top yet except for like yeah. one mage. And it's like, did <laughs> he eat? Mage. Because when he got to the top, he never came back down. So it's always yes. like, is he a myth? Like what's going on with this one mage? Like that would be kind of cool. Exactly. So. And then there's a conspiracy theory that he's the one that built it in the first place. Yeah. And that's how he got there. Funny. But the other group, no way. He's the only, he's the one that's only, he's the only one person has made it to the top. He didn't have a group. He didn't go with a big guild. Yeah. <laughs> no, he made it alone. You know, yeah. yeah, that's exactly perfect. <laughs> that's cool. Yep. Well, I'm glad you're having fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And in fact, I'm going to record a little follow-up week two video today and release that soon. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what's Very going cool. on in the world of Paizo? I saw uh, they announced their Rage of Elements book, which is going to come out this summer, which is where you will get your kineticist class. So if anybody has been super excited for kineticists, what you is a kineticist? Um, so that is like their kind of like, I, I think it's like their airbender. You know, you pick oh, an okay. element or you pick a couple elements and then you kind of go with them. Um, so they said, um, one of the things that I saw was one of the big changes in the player test version, you choose whether you have a single one element gate a dual gate for two elements or a universal gate for all elements. So when you're pick, that's kind of like your subclasses of the kineticist. And that was similar to what they did. And one thing he, they talked about is like an, uh, one of the other details, a lot of detail came in like expanding the metal and wood elements that weren't in the play test and adding hybrid elements. Hybrid elements allowed the kineticist impulse to combine, for example, creating steam element if you were your gates were fire and water. Right. So that's kind of cool. That two sentences made me want to play a kineticist in, in like, I love the idea of you can be, you can use elementals. Like fire and earth, and like I'm a magma. But you might yeah. be somebody who pulls something else in and you pull two things in and now you're this thing. So it, it's so um, airbender-like. It's so like um, Naruto, you know, based kind of like where they were bringing that kind of stuff in. But it's also like Magic the Gathering in some ways. Like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to play a blue-black deck and that yeah. makes me this, you know, or I'm going to play, you know. So I just love the idea of a class that gives you that that type of ability I'm all in on something like that. If I play, if I get to play in a 
Pathfinder game at some point that I'm not running, I'm going to play Kineticist when they release this because this just sounds super fun and cool. Yeah, so, that, is a, that is a fun is idea. Kind of what I wanted the four element monk to be like in D and D, but yeah. never, never. I played one for a little bit and it didn't feel how I wanted it to feel. But uh, yeah, yeah. But I did like my it flame is. sorcerer. I kind of did this by doing my my flame sorcerer was a sorcerer that I just chose fire spells, and so I kind of well, did this I, inadvertently. But <laughs> I did the desert mage, and yeah. in my mind, it was all flame based, heat based stuff, and it was just this you know this desert wizard <laughs> desert desert mage i just thought it was because when you theme your attacks that way even if you were to go full ice or full fire that you have a lot of options in dungeons and dragons where you don't have as many options when you want to start to combine those things like you said so if i want to do a steam but the idea that you could do wood or metal is a is one of the gates so you could have a metal based element that you're doing stuff with that just brings i mean that just screams to me you know um all the types of games that I want that give you infinite combinations of things you can do just by picking and choosing. And that's why you're building modular D six, right? Modular D six yeah. is all about picking and choosing pieces and putting them together. And then they create something cool and new and different or yeah. themed, you know? Yeah. And that's what I like about that class. So no, and that's what I like too about more of it. things like that, where, uh, infinite is a, is a infinite combos. Obviously I don't think could exist, but but you're right. Like now, if I combine uh, this and this fire and water, and I make steam, but I also take this like path of like dueling fencer. Maybe I have like mm -hmm. a steam sword now that I've conjured. You know, like I that was the idea behind modular D6 is that I can pick these different modules, and when they're stuck together, they operate in a new way. Uh, yeah, they which I need made, to get like, back to that game that somebody else could follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, no, that's really cool. I like stuff like that too. And I, I always liked, uh, it reminds me, I, I rewatched X-Men 2 last night because I was like, mm. X-Men 2 is so good and I felt gross for my shot. So I'm like, I'm just going to watch this. Um, but it got me thinking about when we were kids, we always talked about what X-Men power do you want? Like what mutant power? And I always yeah. liked the powers that could do a whole bunch of different things. And like Magneto is a good example where he could like fly, but he couldn't really fly, but he could fly if he wore metal or he could like mm -hmm. manipulate people's iron in their blood for cool things. As opposed to Cyclops who kind of was like, I just fire a beam out of a my beam. eye, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, or Wolverine, like I heal and you're like, okay, cool. But like, uh, I like the idea of powers that it's like, Oh, like Iceman was a great example. Cause he figured out how to do lots of really interesting, weird things with his power, you know? Not just freezing right. things, but like sliding and doing other cool stuff. So uh, yeah. that's what I want in an RPG. I'll just say that. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, Crypt of the Devil Lich is being shipped right now. Um, oh. I haven't received my copy, but I'm very excited for that. Um, and I had a couple of people reach out and say, ask if I was going to run it. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'll run it publicly because I've got so many games going right now. But um, it's like Tomb of Horrors to the turned up to 11 kind of a thing uh and a pretty pretty cool module i bought it for 5e and for dcc so i have side-by-side -side comparisons and as somebody who wants to design a game i'm really curious to open them side by side and kind of see like well what's the difference like are these fundamentally the same game or will i have a very different experience running this for 5e than for dcc um, and then they showed off some preview images, if you check my Twitter, of uh, the Dying Earth box set, which is going to be two box sets. And they have them in this, like, really cool uh, just cardboard box that is being sent to people. But the cardboard box itself, like, the, the shipping box has, like, all this cool Dying Earth art on it and things like that. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so excited for that. So that is uh i think the final proofs are in so it should be like march april when that actually arrives i'm very excited very excited. very cool <laughs> um great modron march had a huge jump in our campaign on thursday uh so they're trying to figure out like why the modrons are marching and there might be something involved with a necromancer drow uh goddess and a bunch of other stuff but uh, Ted's character has been very focused on like mixing potions and drinking them to try and attain some kind of new power through magical mishaps. 
And last, and I created a big table of stuff to be like, we'll roll on this when you do that to kind of see what happens. And last night I rolled a uh, 52, which was you are omniscient for five minutes. And everyone was like, what? So with him being omniscient for five minutes, uh, we, we flashed over to some other players and we kind of talked about what they're doing in Sigil. And then we went back to Ted and I'm like, I think your character can't comprehend everything that happened, but you have like flashes of, of insight into the whole thing. So he got some information on the actual bad guy that they haven't met yet, don't, nor really know what's going on. And they got some other insight. And then something I thought was fun, I was like, if you're ever in a position, I'm going to give you three of these. Like if you're ever in a position where you want to try and remember something because you had omniscience and you knew everything, we'll roll a uh, intelligence check and regardless, if you're over a certain amount, you gain information. If you are lower, you don't gain information. That is now used and gone. And regardless, you're going to take psychic damage because it just hurts you to try and remember what, that time that you knew everything. Uh, so I thought that was a fun mechanic. And we're going to play around with that. And then Purple Planet. I started that and I realized it's the exact same game as Hot Springs Island because they're on a thing and it's a hex crawl and they're trying to figure out how to escape the thing. And we were all laughing at Jordan where it's like, well, Jordan, (laughs) that's that's the games you like to run, apparently, is where we're stuck someplace. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, In my head, it was a lot cooler and it is cooler. We're having fun. Don't get me wrong. But they were giving me a little crap for basically be moving them from one campaign to the other where it's the exact same thing. Like we're stuck somewhere. We have to figure out how to get out. Uh, but we started Purple Planet, and uh, we had a lot of fun on Sunday. It was really good. So what Very about Lucian? Cool. What games are you playing? Well, I thought we were going to play last night, but we ended up not playing last night. But we did. We were in our downtime from just before the holidays when we kind of all took a break. And we ended up leveling uh, last night just because it was like, well, you guys were already close anyways, and we're not, we'll just level up. So I got to get to level 8 of the Twilight Cleric. And that means level seven arcane archer. So we're really getting up there in the levels now. And I've, and I'm more a cleric now than I am archer. Although I'm still mostly archer. But um, do you feel like a, you have, like you cool archer more than you cast cantrips and stuff? I'm, this is the first time. Well, I always archer more than <laughs> because okay. I'm a sharpshooter. I'm a cheaty, cheaty, men maxing sharpshooter. Um, but this was the first time where an ability in the clear class gave me extra damage to my arrow attacks. So now all of a sudden my damage for the first time is get to go up over something I've had all the way from right. really the beginning of when I had the feet. So that feels really good to see a little bit of a power boost there. Um, but I just like the cleric versatility of spell lists. Um, I'm still only in the fourth level area of spells. I got to get one more level of cleric to get to that you know fifth level spells so i can go to that list and start taking some stuff off um but there's some cool stuff out there and i'm really enjoying it we'll play again next week um it's been kind of fun getting this high level it's probably the highest level character i've actually played that wasn't a one shot or something now so yeah yep do you regret multi-classing then like because you could have cool level 15 abilities or no yeah. No, because it was the only, there's no way I'd want to be a level 15 arcane archer. There's not enough to the class and the subclass to make it fun. I had to have something else. I wouldn't mind being a level 15 cleric. There's plenty of stuff yeah, you can yeah. do with that, that theme, but I couldn't make the arcane archer work. And I knew I wanted to do this, this arcane archer. Now, I wish I could have made a more Hawkeye-like. I wish there was a way to do more bag of tricks arrows, but you get so few and it never really increases very much past like two or three arcane archer arrows. And you can only pick two or three at any given time. Yeah. I really wanted it to be something where you just had a garbage pail of maybe not super powerful, like but just blind arrows. I don't know. Yeah. Water arrow, Netting sand arrow, arrow yeah, net arrow. Yeah. Stuff. Grapple yeah. arrow, something like that. Yeah. Everything. Just like the, the kind of jack of all trades, even if it wasn't super powerful. I think I wanted a class that was more like that arcane archer is not that so i had to make it into something a little bit different but i do like leaning into Kanshu and moon knight themes um with the twilight cleric and the stuff that that cleric can do and um it's been super fun so that's i i'm enjoying it um we're probably down on level 15 of the mad mage and i think there's 23 26 levels i don't even remember how many levels yeah. of dungeon mad mage there are but we're getting down there we're we're starting to get into some of the bigger minions we're fighting cool stuff that we haven't seen before 
Um, we're still dealing with a lot of drow. So if you're big into drow, this is a <laughs> campaign for you. And there's lots of drow storylines going uh, on. I was just thinking, because I'm playing my artificer tomorrow that I haven't played in forever, but like that might be the arcane archer you want. Cause, or like the Hawkeye character, because I reflavor yeah. all of my spells as some some cool thing you know so it's like uh a fire arrow is a fireball you know or something like that and every exactly everything right. is my i have pistols and so everything is my guns as i fire but they're just reflavored um uh uh crossbows you know yep yep and you so i can do that a hawkeye yeah. character i would do artificer because and I just like it. you said so my arrows would be the spells yeah. I'm casting. Yeah. That I'm so I cast like paralyze and it's like, oh, it's, it could be a paralyzing dart or it could be a rope wrapped yep. around them or something fun. So entangling yep. strike, Perfect. things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, it's funny how we have similar character ideas. Cause I'm like, that's kind of what I'm playing right now. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. So, but I'm only level yeah. seven or eight. So I can't wait till I get to like, I think it only gets better. I think 10 and 11 is when I can start attuning to like more magic items. And that's when I can really get like some cool synergy, especially with uh, DM Nathan allowing us to uh, manufacture items. So if we find Mm -hmm. an item in the book that we want, we can go and be like, I would like to spend X amount of gold and then they'll craft this item for you. Uh, which is yeah. not something I've ever really done, but I like the idea of players being able to choose a magic item that they want. So I think that's kind of We funny. do that in downtime. We tell our dungeon master, hey, because we're with Act Inc. kind of campaign, Yeah. we use our context to say, we're looking for a magic item that does this. And then there's a bunch of roles. And then somebody comes back and says, well, this is what this magic broker has. And then he lists, sometimes you might get the item you were looking for, and here's the price if you want to get it. Lots of gold yeah. type, type of thing versus oh we didn't have that but hey there's these potions that are available currently there's this you know gauntlets of ogre strength that's possible and they're like oh well maybe i want that and you know so you're like you're kind of picking and choosing so we do that during our downtime a little bit but you also can ask him to say hey i want to build can i get materials to build something and then he kind of creates a mini quest of okay you need these materials and then you know, you'll be able to get this thing. So he's done that too. So we even have um, intelligent magic items are in our game. So some of us have magic items that talk to us or have, you know, um, their own personalities, which is mm-hmm. fun. We He lets us use kind of like bring in PCs and either make them companions or, you know, people that go around with us and they can come and leave throughout the campaign. Like uh, Bob was one of ours. He was a Kenku that was a stone statue on one of the levels we realized he was such a good stone statue that we went and realized he had been paralyzed and was actually a person that petrified. Yeah. Yeah. Petrified. Okay. So then we undid it. And then he traveled with us for at least three or four levels before moving on. And we used the uh, sidekick rules for him. So he was Bob B a U B our Kenku. <laughs> I love it. Everybody I love RPGs. Bob. Yeah. So it was really fun. Um, no, that's really fun. Uh, so you guys, yeah, you're you got a good group, like Danimals. Oh, guy, so yeah, good. and there's a lot of creativity, a lot of fun stuff that we do. Um, our DM lets us get away with a ton. We are definitely way overpowered and probably a super headache to him. Um, versus like sometimes he's like he was telling us last night he's like uh, one of our guys was saying, "Go, oh, I don't know what feat I should take," and and Danimals like, "Well, have you taken tough yet? Because look, this will give you all this." And it's our barbarian. He's like, "Yeah, it's gonna give you 45 more." Oh my hit gosh. points and i was like no he's a barbarian he gets 90 no hit points because he'll be raging when those hit points go away yeah and then he's like no maybe i shouldn't have told you about <laughs> he's like that's gonna ruin the game don't do that so it's kind of funny how powerful we are getting and your characters become pretty powerful so dungeon masters just be ready for the your your battles and stuff to go gonzo because your characters should get built up well there. yeah uh, but since we I- didn't I had a worm in my Dungeon Crawl Classics game, and a lot of people are like, oh, Dungeon Crawl Classics is so fatal. It is when you're level zero or one, but they're level four now, almost level five, and the elf, uh, they were like, well, I think I'm going to try and cast Magic Missile, and he got lucky, but he also burned some other stuff. He ended up one-shotting it. Like, they were all just, like, trying to hit the AC, and they're like, ah, and then he just, like, 35 damage, worm dead. And I'm like, uh... Well, that was cool. And so, Encounter you know, there's, there's, I, that's a game that's not necessarily trying to be balanced uh, because you are encouraged to run away if you're in a, like a bad situation. Whereas D&D wants to be balanced, I feel, but it, it's hard, yeah. you know. Um, that was great. Anything else before we leave, sir? Yeah, one, one last thing. So since we didn't play, I was, we were on roll 20 building our characters 
and I downloaded Kingmaker and took a look at it. They have the free first chapter of Kingmaker from Paizo's game on Roll20. Very and nice. I started reading through that, and that sounded really fun and cool. And that may be the campaign I run for the Pathfinder 2 e-game. Awesome. But there's other good ones out there I'm looking at too. So that, But I was reading through that one. It looked really good. It's free if you're on Roll20, so go ahead and get it if you want. Now I'll be quiet and mute and you can take us out. <laughs> Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I hope you had a good time. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We will, of course, be back next week. And uh, hopefully Wizards will have said something or the the world had will have calmed down. We'll see what's going on. Uh, but with that, thank you so much for watching. I will see you all next week. Uh, if not before, take care. <laughs>